You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 121 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode, my guest is Daryl Anka. Daryl has channeled the remarkable multidimensional being from the future known as Bashar for over three decades. In addition to channeling Bashar, Daryl expresses his creative talents in the form of writing, directing and producing films through his own production company, Sia Films. Daryl's recent documentary, which he wrote, produced and directed, is called First Contact and it explores his life as a channel and it explores the messages that Bashar shares through him. The film is uh, narrated by James Woods. This interview, as most are, is done over Skype, and we are basically on opposite sides of the planet, Daryl and I. So there are a few brief moments in the beginning when the connection becomes a bit shitty, but this doesn't last, and 95% of this talk is good quality, so please be patient. Before we will hear my conversation with Daryl, I thought it would be a good idea to just show an example of what this Bashar character he channels sounds like and give an example of what he is trying to communicate to our world. I did a remix of the trailer with James Woods narrating followed by a short snippet of Bashar speaking about why we are here on Earth. The concept of alien contact is no longer foreign to our society. The question isn't if it will happen, but when. The reason that you are where you are is because you chose to be where you are in order to act as a conduit to bring that energy to Earth and manifest it in whatever way is relevant to the Earth experience to allow the Earth to transform. Because every single one of you that are on Earth now in some way, shape or form chose to be on Earth now because you knew that you would be going through a transition and a transformation at this time in your planet's history and on some level, in some way, you wanted to participate. You wanted to be a part of that because it's a very exciting place to be right now. So thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So can you tell the listeners a bit about who you are and 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 what you do? Well, my name is Daryl Anka, and <clears throat> I have actually a couple of parallel careers, if you will. Uh, I am a writer, producer, director at my production company, Zia Films, and I am also a channel for an entity known as Bashar, B-A-S-H-A-R. I've been doing both of these now for about the same amount of time, about 33 years. And uh, <clears throat> now we have just recently finished doing a film, a documentary about how I became a channel and who Bashar is. It's called First Contact. 
uh, out now, beginning of May here, and, and is accessible at uh, www.bashar.org. And we're very excited to get this out to the public. <clears throat> the film was made for the purpose of, of sort of explaining how, at least on my journey, I became a channel and also to demystify the whole concept of what channeling is, because I believe it's a very natural ability we all have. And it also is a film that proposes uh, the ideas, uh, explores the ideas of what kind of impact extraterrestrial contact would have on our society, uh, covers many different kinds of subjects. Um, so we're very excited about First Contact and hope that uh, it will be something the public will enjoy. Could you explain a bit further what channeling is? Because many people have different views on what it is. Sure. Um, to me, channeling is a natural state that we all get into from time to time. When you're doing what you love to do, when you're in that zone, operating on peak performance, your brain actually goes into an altered state that is represented by what's called the gamma frequency in the brain, which is above 40 cycles per second. And you're in that state, uh, you're just more connected, you can synthesize information much more rapidly, you can focus much more strongly. Um, now you can do different things with channeling, you can connect to different levels, not only of your own consciousness, but apparently you can connect to other levels of consciousness, other entities uh, in different dimensions of consciousness as well. Now, no one necessarily has to believe that when I channel an entity that we call Bashar, that he really truly is a separate extraterrestrial entity. It could be a portion of my own consciousness. I have no way of proving his existence at this point, <clears throat> but we allow it to come through how it comes through, how it presents itself. And the most important thing to focus on is really the information that's available, that's accessible in that state that comes through because the information can have a profound effect when applied into our lives in helping to change our lives in positive, constructive ways. And that's what we really focus on is the information that comes through as a result of getting into that gamma state or the channeling state. Now, for me, I have my own validations that Bashar is real. <clears throat> Again, no one has to accept that that's true. Uh, but it began for me back in 1973 when on two different occasions <clears throat> during the day in the same week, I had a very close broad daylight UFO sightings of an equilateral triangular UFO about 30 feet on each side with witnesses both times. First time about 150 feet away and the second time only about 70 feet away. That started me investigating the whole idea of what UFOs were about now that I had seen something so physical, so solid and so close. <clears throat> and I began doing research on all sorts of other kinds of metaphysical subjects at the time. And 10 years after I saw the crafts, I was introduced to a channel who was holding seminars at the time. And I listened to that information for several months and thought this is very good and interesting information, very helpful information. 
and the entity coming through that channel eventually offered to teach a channeling class, and I went into it not thinking I was going to be a channel. I just wanted to do more research because I didn't understand how channeling could be taught. I thought it was just something that happened to someone. But in the class, under a guided meditation, I received what I can only describe as a telepathic connection from Bashar. And in that instant in my head, a memory came back of actually having made an agreement to do the channeling with him in this life. I understood in that second that the UFO had been shown to me by him on purpose to get me to start learning what I needed to learn so that by the time uh, it was time to do the channeling, I would be prepared. And, um, you know, this was going on in my head, and I didn't know if this was a side effect of the meditation, a hallucination, or what. But the moment this was happening, the entity coming through the teacher stopped talking to the class and turned right to me and said that there is an entity here for you right now if you're ready to begin. And in the same moment, I happened to glance over behind me and one of the classmates, uh, somehow she picked up on the image of Bashar I saw in my head and was actually sketching him on a piece of paper. So I instantly had two outside validations that what was happening wasn't just my imagination. There was something real going on here. And so I began to practice, and uh, one thing kind of led to another. I was asked to start channeling for some people. Uh, tapes were made of the channeling. They got passed around, and pretty soon I started getting invited to different cities and different countries. And here I am, uh, 33 years later, still channeling Bashar. You said something about an agreement before you were born. Yeah, these things are often the product of an arrangement or an agreement that is made on the spirit level to uh, undertake these kinds of activities during the physical life, at least as far as I understand it. That doesn't necessarily always have to be the case, but it seems to be the case for me. So if that is the case, does that mean then that this Bashar individual is living in that space now or was it that you were both you know in in the pre-life before you were born into different dimensions i mean how how would that go well looking at it from well let me back up from bashar's perspective all things exist at the same time and that time is an illusion what we call the past and the future <clears throat> are really just illusionary but from a linear perspective they they are experienced as very real to us so in terms of explaining who Bashar is to me and who I am to him, even though we are two separate individuals, uh, we could linearly look at him as being a future incarnation, and I'm one of his past incarnations. So in a sense, you could say we're the same soul experiencing two different lives that have made an agreement to work this out from the future to the past, from the past to the future, in order to perform this service of channeling for people on our planet at this time. And when when you're doing, because I've seen videos of Bashar speaking, what happens to you during this? Can you can you hear everything being said, or are you not there and you have to record it to remember? I don't really hear the words. It's kind of like I fall into a very dynamic, deep daydream, and I get images, I get feelings. I get downloads for myself that I can use in my life, but I don't really hear the translation of his thoughts that's coming through in the telepathic connection that we've formed. It's kind of like if you fall into a deep daydream and somebody walks in the room and they call your name and they have to call your name three times before you actually register that somebody's talking to you. It's kind of like that. The 
the translated words are so secondary to me, they might as well be happening in the house next door. They're not really the focus that I'm experiencing, but I'm having a very dynamic experience getting what I need while Bashar's thoughts are being translated into the conversation that the person he's speaking with needs to hear. And does this does this channeling happen? You know, how do you make it start and stop, or does it is it continuous? Well, there's always a connection. There's not always information coming along the connection between us. It's just an energetic link. But when someone asks if they can speak with him, we set up an appointment, and at that time, I just simply allow myself to go into the altered state that I've been trained to get into. And when I reach a certain frequency in my brain, he alters his frequency. We sort of meet somewhere in the middle energetically, and we kind of lock frequencies. It's kind of like two tuning forks uh, starting to vibrate in synchronous harmony with one another. And then I take on the aspect of his thoughts made out of my own energy, my own consciousness, And I start to function kind of as a biological translator for what it is that he's attempting to send uh, in this telepathic link-up. But it's usually just done based on request. Um, there have been, on very rare occasions, times when he might say, no, this is not an appropriate conversation to have right now with this person because they might be in process about something. He doesn't want to interrupt them. That's exceedingly rare. More often than not, we'll simply arrange appointments and at that time he will simply be available so it's not like uh, hearing voices or anything like that no no it's just more of an alteration of a state of being it's it's kind of in a sense like a meditative state but it's much more dynamic uh it's much more energetic <clears throat> than that um Again, it's more similar to the idea that when you're focused on something that you're completely absorbed by, when you're really passionate and excited about something that you're doing and you're so focused that time doesn't really, uh, you know, is not something you experience. Like, in other words, you know, how you go into that that state where you feel like, okay, maybe 15 minutes have passed and then you look up and realize, you know, it's been a couple of hours or something. It's that kind of an experience. For me my experience of seeing uh, different Bash bashar videos and things on the internet has been that it's always mentioned this like and and also how you started the connection with this ufo sighting uh, but as you also said that it might not be a ufo and and maybe there are no ufos how do you see this whole ufo thing is that just uh, time is an illusion thing or Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, when you say UFO by this, the strictest definition of the word, it was an unidentified flying object that is not anything like our technology has produced as far as I know in the last 40 some odd years since the sighting. I've never seen anything like this in terms of its ability to move totally silently, hover, speed away in the blink of an eye. I mean, these are traits technologically that, as far as I know, we don't have the ability to do. So I do believe that these are craft. Uh, the question is always, you know, whose craft are they? Where do they come from? Now, again, I can't prove that Bashar was in that craft. I can only take his word for it. 
Um, but definitely what I saw was unearthly. It was certainly out of the ordinary and operating and performing in ways I have never seen anything else perform. So from my perspective and my experience, of course, uh, UFOs are 100% real. Uh, the questions are always about, you know, what are they about? Where are they from? Who's in there? You know, how's it being guided and controlled? And what's the purpose of this? Um, so I have my experience with that and my understanding of my purpose rel relative to that. I know that I've got friends that have also seen other UFOs and had witnesses. Um, so, you know, I believe people are experiencing this. I know that from time to time, UFOs can be many different kinds of things. They can be, let's say, um, not necessarily always physical craft. They can be interjections in our dimension of reality from uh, other levels of consciousness. They can appear in different ways, do things that don't seem to make physical sense, which leads me to think that they're far more interdimensional than just something that travels through space in what we would consider to be a normal fashion. Um, you know, there are many unanswered questions about them, but all I can go on is my experience with it. Uh, it reminds me a bit of the uh, interstellar film where the aliens are in fact himself, you know, because it's a different timeline. Right. And in this case, this is somewhat similar. Now, Bashar does have a civilization. He does uh, exist on another planet in a parallel reality. And yet it is very similar to that in the sense that he is, for lack of a better term, one of my future selves. And therefore, there is that relationship. There is that, you know, one consciousness sort of expressing and experiencing itself uh, as different beings and interacting with itself in a very unusual way. So there, there's a lot of really interesting sort of uh, <clears throat> um, aspects to this that really bring into question what consciousness is really all about and how are the different ways that it can express itself and and uh, seem to leap over things like time and space or even ignore them completely. So there's a lot of interesting things that come out of doing the channeling with Bashar that have taught me and many other people how flexible space and time really can be and how uh, it's a projection of our consciousness more than a true physical existence. It's funny with science also because the things they are absolutely very strict about are the things they also themselves admit that they know very little about like dreams afterlife and what where is consciousness but they definitely know that uh, if you would were to tell your experiences to scientists they would just say no that's not true well most scientists probably however i know that a lot of cutting-edge quantum physicists are beginning to approach ideas like this They're beginning to realize that <clears throat> space and time are certainly much more fluid than we previously thought, and that consciousness does somehow intertwine with it. Uh, I know that those people are relatively rare still in science, but uh, strangely enough, uh, I actually have had a few physicists have conversations with Bashar in private talking to him about such things as quantum physics and his perspective of that from a future perspective. Uh, and they've walked out of those conversations very happy with what he's discussed with them. So a few of them are open to this, and I believe that that will continue to grow. 
it's a bit of a contradiction because the birth of science was about dis uh, discovery and you know question everything but now it's i mean mainstream science has fallen into almost this like fundamentalist religion uh, concept yeah but i'm seeing a few people breaking out of that and starting to realize that science and metaphysics are not necessarily that dissimilar in a sense i could probably say even though i know this is not completely an accurate statement that metaphysics is actually in many ways physics without the math and i think some of them are beginning to realize that there are ways to understand things on a broader perspective than just the typical materialistic scientific uh view i think it's it's starting to evolve beyond that maybe slowly but i do see signs that it is starting to evolve beyond that strict materialistic view that started way back you know in the so-called age of reason but i think you know we had to go kind of go through that to get away from uh you know some of the more uh dogmatic things that were going on in our uh societies on earth and and start to really understand things from a different perspective and now i think there's an opportunity for um things to blend in a different way and to expand in a different way and and like i said i'm seeing that a few scientists i think are beginning to break out of that old old fashioned mold and and start to look at things from a completely different perspective which is i think a great thing you've been doing this now for so many years so now you're settled in 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 your relationship with bashar but how was like the first few years because you know did your family think you gone crazy or i mean how 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 was the beginning um in the beginning the energy that came through from him was a little bit difficult to handle and it it used to wear me out because i wasn't used to it i was resisting it i had you know belief systems that didn't align exactly with it i didn't know what to do with it but after a couple of years of doing it the more i sort of opened up to it the more i trusted it uh the easier it got and the more energized i got and and at one point it shifted from kind of making me tired to actually leaving me with extra energy when i came out of it as far as family and friends and and coworkers and things like that um <clears throat> they never really i think um they didn't completely understand what was going on but i was i think fortunate enough uh to have the kind of family that that especially my parents that said well look you know we don't we don't quite get what this is but we understand that what you're doing is helping people and you're you're making people happier and you're happy doing what you're doing and so for us that's good enough and so i was fortunate to have parents that were supportive in that sense um friends kind of like you know some of them sort of looked askance at it and you know sometimes they would sort of joke about it which but it was all kind of you know in in good nature uh i've never really had close associations with people that uh really just completely dismissed it um you know and even in channeling over 33 years uh i've only had maybe two maybe three incidents where someone that may have been um in one of the sessions uh the public sessions actually had uh uh an absolute uh repulsion or disagreement with what was happening based usually on some sort of uh religious belief that they had that what i was doing wasn't right um but that's been very rare in my life so i think in that sense i've been very fortunate to not necessarily have a lot of 
skepticism, at least not to my face, uh, about what it is I'm doing. And one of the things that I'm really excited about in First Contact, the documentary that we did, is for the first time, <clears throat> I actually did a session and channeled Bashar with my head wired to an EEG brainwave analysis machine because we really wanted to have some sort of at least scientific evidence or indications that the channeling state was truly a different state than my normal waking state and that there are different things happening in the brain when that's going on. And we were able to demonstrate very clearly uh, for the first time ever, I think, in this film, that the channeling state is a very different altered state and that there are very different things happening in the brain during that state that science, in some cases, are saying is not even supposed to be possible. So um, I'm very excited that we were able to sort of present, present the evidence in that way so that people can understand that at the very least, if they don't have to believe that Bashar is real, but at the very least, channeling is a true measurable altered state that has different benefits uh, that we can all access um, when we get into that particular zone, into that particular uh, frequency. Ah, that's very good that it, that's, it is in the film, because I was going to ask if you that have ever done something like that, because that would be the, a logical step to, to, to see. And uh, But let's get into a bit what Bashar is actually saying. So what, how, what would you say is... Like, w what is the message, or is it just on an individual basis, or is it some general humanity information? Or Yeah, there's both levels. He, he conducts uh, public events and, and, and shares a lot of <clears throat> general principles, and he also does private sessions so he can get, uh, you know, more deeply into a specific person's life and what it is they perhaps uh, require to be of, of assistance to them. But in general, the thing that I appreciate about what Bashar talks about is he kind of takes a lot of these metaphysical concepts and he explains in very physical terms how they work, why they work. He's literally describing an instruction manual of how we create reality and how we can change our reality in beneficial ways. So it's not um, it's not left on a level of of just sort of an up in the sky blue sky sort of like uh, you know new agey airy fairy kind of a thing. He really says, okay, here's a principle that you guys are talking about. Let's say like law of attraction or something like that, and he will get down into the physics of how this works, how it why it works, how you use it, how you get an effect. He's literally delivering a toolkit or an instruction manual so that we have a better understanding of what reality is, how we're creating our experiences in life, and gives us the tools that we can use, whether we go back to him or not, we can now have a toolkit where, whereby we can change our lives, that we know we're empowered uh, to change our lives in ways that we prefer to, without necessarily having to give our power away to him or anyone else. So his main message, basically, is that we are self-empowered beings. He's helping us remember who we are. He's giving us the tools to change our lives in positive ways, explaining his perspective of how creation and existence works. Um, and he's had a very profound effect uh, on thousands and thousands of people over the last three decades. Has he mentioned anything about if the place he's broadcasting from, if you say that, 
then the dimension or planet or whatever it is, if if that whole place is like that, or if he's also a lone man. Yeah, no, I mean, they have evolved to the point where they operate on what he calls pure synchronism. <clears throat> Everyone is exactly where they need to be, when they need to be. They're getting exactly what they need, when they need it, interacting with whom they need to interact with in perfect timing. It's it, They understand the flow of creation and how to ride that current very, very well. And um, so their civilization is a very balanced, very harmonious civilization. And it is full of individuals, but they have found a way to understand their relationship to existence uh, that allows them to operate in a very synchronous manner. And this is what they're attempting to impart to us not that we have to pay attention to them, but they know that these principles can work for us if we're willing to adopt them into our reality as well. But they do exist on a planet, physically, in a parallel reality. At this point in their evolution, they're starting to evolve beyond physicalness. That's why they can sort of exhibit the traits that are sort of a blend and a balance and a bridge between physical and non-physical spiritual reality. That's why they're able to have consciousnesses that are flexible in space and time and do the channeling in the way that he does. But Bashar himself, specifically, in his society, is a first contact specialist. So his experience is in making first contact with different civilizations, such as our own, that they feel are at least at a point in their evolution as we are, where we are ready to at least consider the possibility that we're not alone in the universe and begin to open up dialogues with us to see how willing we are to understand the principles that they understand so that <clears throat> based on the sharing of that information, they get to understand whether or not it's a good time for more contact, for more physical contact with us, uh, and how compatible or not we may be uh, with their civilization. So they're explorers, and he is making first contact with us, and this is from their point of view, how they do that. So all people who can channel on this planet, you know, they all receive, but can any human being like start sending? Is that possible? Of course. And remember that in a sense, they're far more receptive to our thoughts than we may be to theirs. So since they're very open, they can usually pick up on our telepathic transmissions much more quickly than we can pick up on theirs. Some people who are, you know, for instance, a very devout christian and they pray a lot sometimes they hear the voice of god could that be like a channel well again it's the channeling state because everyone has the ability to access what i'll call source right we're all connected to source we're all a part of source if you want to call it god you want to call it goddess you want to call it all that is you want to call it creation i don't think it cares what we call it but we all are connected to it. We all are extensions of it. We're all a part of it. And so just by opening up to that state, certainly we all have the ability to communicate with it and receive that communication in whatever way works for us. It can come sometimes in the manner of hearing a voice. It can come sometimes in the synchronicity in our lives. It can come as messages from people around us. I mean, you know, there's the old... Uh, the old joke of the person, the very devout religious person uh, standing on the roof of their house when there's a flood, praying to God to rescue them. And a uh, person uh, happens to come by in a boat and says, come on in the boat and 
you know, and, and I'll take you to safety. And the person says, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to let God rescue me. I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to let God rescue me. So the person says, okay. And then they go off and then the person keeps praying for God to rescue them and the waters keep rising. And then pretty soon a helicopter comes along and says, Hey, you know, grab the ladder. I'll lift you to safety. And the person says, no, no, no. I believe that God will save me. So I'm going to keep praying. And I know that God will save me because I have a lot of faith. And the helicopter says, okay, have it your way. And the helicopter goes off and the waters keep rising. And eventually uh, the waters rise enough that the person drowns. So they die and they go up to heaven and they meet God. And they say, God, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed uh, for you to rescue me. Why didn't you save me? And God says, I sent you a boat and I sent you a helicopter. Why didn't you pay attention? So the idea is that the information we can tap into the moral of the story is, you know, reality and God and, and existence can speak to us in a number of ways. It's not that we're not receiving that information. It's that very often we're not paying attention. So if we open up and pay attention, we'll see that creation has many ways of communicating with us if we will only listen. Because everybody knows about this inner voice, even people who have no spiritual or just normal people they still you know know about this inner voice so i guess it's this voice you're speaking about just in a sense and it can be aspects of our own higher mind it can be spirit it can be guides it can be anything but the point is is we are connected and we are receiving assistance and it's not about needing to ask for more more assistance it's about paying attention to the assistance we're already being given so has Bashar and ever talked a bit about you know, what happens when you die? And talks about it a lot. Um, you know, in general, it seems to be in alignment with a, with what a lot of people that have had near death experiences are talking about. What they remember the spirit realm to be like. Um, I guess the basic difference, as Bashar has described it, <clears throat> is that time and space are much more flexible there. When you're non physical, you're still you know, you're still a consciousness, you still identify yourself as yourself, although you can be more of what you are, you might remember more of who you are. You're not just this individual human, you're something bigger as a spirit. And he sort of has described it as, you know, like when you have a dream, and the dream is very real, but then you wake up in the morning, and you go, oh, well, even though that seemed very real, this is who I really am. So he's saying death is kind of like that. It's sort of like when you sort of arrive in spirit, it's like waking up from a dream and going, well, that was a very real dream, but this is really the reality. This is who I really am. I'm not just that individual human. I'm something bigger. And in that spirit realm, space and time are much more flexible, whereas whatever it is you imagine you want to experience, you can experience instantaneously. It can manifest right around you and feel just as solid as physical reality feels, but there's no time lag in creating it or dissolving it. It happens right as you think it, it happens. That's one of the things he's described. And from there, you can decide to have any number of experiences. Now, uh, again, <clears throat> you know, you can connect to the idea of having other lives. You can go on to different dimensions, uh, whether they're human or not. You know, just about any kind of thing you can imagine from that level is probably possible. Um, so that's a very, very brief general overview of some of the things that he's talked about with regard to what happens when we die. Because as far as he's concerned, it's just like walking from one room to another or just like changing your clothes. It doesn't 
annihilate you. You just become more of what you actually originally are anyway. In a sense, he's looking at physical reality as if physical reality is really the dream and that the spirit level is what our true reality is. In fact, he's actually even said we never really leave spirit. Yes, that that sounds um, uh, logical to me. But I'm also I've also been thinking for a long time now that um, if if everything you just said is is what happens, then that means that you know when you are actually when we die and when I when I live as a spirit, in, and I can just walk through any door basically, uh, in that state. I must still think. Well, is there an afterlife? <laughs> you know, like how how f- how far does the rabbit hole go? You know. Yeah. There. It, well, it's infinite. There's always more. So, what would you or what Bashar has said? What what would be the point? Well, the idea in general, the way he's explained it, is all of us. We can look at it this way: all of us are all the different ways that all that is has of experiencing itself. We are all the eyes of God looking at itself and experiencing itself in all the ways that it can. So it's a never-ending experience of becoming, of being and becoming something more and more and more and more and more. It's just the way that creation experiences itself through all these different perspectives, all these different angles, all these different points of view that all of us are. It's just the nature of existence. It's just what it is. It can be quite daunting and scary to consider also. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. The idea that it might be scary is just being filtered through our belief systems. So we can change those definitions, we can change those beliefs. Certainly it can be challenging, but it doesn't necessarily have to be experienced in a scary way. So does that is that you know that explains then maybe like so it's not that common but some people who have near death experiences they go to hell is that because they like subconsciously decide to do that <laughs> because well it's not so much they decide to it's probably because they believe they might but the thing of it is is that because time and space are different there from what i've heard in the research if they do create that kind of an experience for themselves because they believe that that was inevitable as soon as they realize that they don't prefer it it'll go away and they'll be somewhere else or experience something else because in like i said there's no time lag and that will start to teach them that whatever they think is true or believe is true is what they will experience instantly there so i don't think many people unless they're like real masochists i don't think many people will stick around for that kind of an experience very long So how come then that we seem to be so bad at creating uh, harmony here on Earth? Because we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten that we're self-empowered. We have been taught beliefs to buy into beliefs that say we're disconnected, that we're less than, that we're not worthy, we're not deserving. As long as you hold on to a belief like that as being true, it's not going to be easy to create harmony and balance. People have to relearn and remember that we are all connected to source that we're all as powerful as we need to be to attract whatever we need without having to hurt ourselves or anyone else in the process it's about reclaiming our self empowerment and being taught that we are more powerful than we've been taught to believe that we are then harmony will be a natural result of that self empowerment always like a practical application is there anything like in general that bashar has mentioned 
that anybody can like if you just start like every day you do this uh... absolutely well that's what i'm saying he he delivers literally a toolkit for how to live your life in a self-empowered way and it's based on a specific set of principles that are not very many and if you just like he said i'm not delivering a philosophy to you he says i'm not delivering an opinion i'm literally giving you i'm handing you an instruction manual here are the principles if you act on these principles in this particular way, you will have this kind of an experience. So anyone can follow it if they can wrap their mind around what he's saying and how he's describing how reality works and just follow the instruction manual. It does work. I've used it in my life. It always works. People have come back to me for years and years and years after the sessions with Bashar and said, you know, when I finally understood what he was saying and finally applied these tools, my life changed dramatically and everything is now much more synchronistic and things are flowing and things are more effortless and things are more fun. And it's not because people are just in denial about stuff or just pretending. It's really because these principles are how reality works. It is an instruction manual. He's breaking it down into how we create reality. So when we understand that and know how to read that instruction manual and use those tools in the way they're meant to be used, you get the result because he's describing things that actually have a physical effect. I've always had a good connection with synchronicities. I've experienced them quite a lot in my life and I've always had the idea that I should start documenting them, but I never did. And then actually uh, a few months ago I decided to, okay, now I'm going to do it. The scientist in me one you know write down every time i have a synchronicity and as soon as i started doing that they kind of stopped well that's because you're sort of interrupting the flow but that's okay you know you can always get back into it again it's just a matter of being in the state you prefer to be in by doing the things you love to do as soon as you get back into that state the synchronicities will appear again now it's not like synchronicity isn't always happening it is it's just that we usually say it's synchronous when it is a beneficial thing but there is such a thing as negative synchronicity because, again, it's what you put out is what you get back. So when people are in a state of being that is kind of buying into the negative beliefs, their life is still full of synchronicity. It's just that the negative is getting reinforced instead of the positive. I've stopped watching the news for like 10 years ago. I stopped watching the news. I, I still know what's happening in general, but I don't watch the news, you know. And uh, yesterday, for some reason... Then I was somewhere and I saw the news by mistake. And after they were over, I felt almost exhausted. And I was like, oh, my God, I remember now why I stopped watching this. It's like fear, fear mongering. <laughs> it, it induces you, you know, it, it, it hits your negative belief system if, it's still ha if you still have some. And it amplifies that. So it's just kind of like, okay, it doesn't mean you have to ignore what's happening. But you have to really learn to stay in the state you prefer and understand that no matter what's going on, even if it was generated negatively, even if someone else's involvement in it is negative, you can still get a positive and beneficial effect out of the exact same situation, but you have to choose to stay in that state in order to do so and not succumb to the idea that, you know, oh no, we can't do anything about this and things are horrible everywhere. You have to really stay in that state to actually be capable of doing anything positive about it. So is is it like uh, like what the old sages say that you should uh, live your life with compassion? <clears throat> yeah, 
compassion and passion. Sure. By living a life of passion, it's easy to be compassionate because you're in touch with your, your self-empowerment. You can understand that other people may be struggling. You can see them through the eyes of compassion and perhaps share some information with them that may help them. Not that they have to listen to you, but you have the compassion to recognize that they may simply be struggling because they don't have the belief system that allows them to know that they're self-empowered. So you're kind of looking at people that don't have the tools. They haven't been taught how to use the tools in a way that serves them. They've only been taught to use the tools in a way that makes them even more miserable. So sharing information that can change that for them is one way to express compassion. And that comes from living your own passion. Because if you're not actually an example of that, it's not really likely that you can teach anyone else to help themselves. But co to be compassionate is, is fairly straightforward. But to be passionate, sometimes it, it's, more, it's more difficult in the sense that it be can become too much desire or obsession if you're passionate about something. Yes, but you see, that's a belief. And when you say it can become too much desire, that's only going to happen if you actually are filtering your energy through beliefs that are out of alignment with the true definition of passion. Because if you really are acting on your true passion, your true frequency, you can't divert from that. It doesn't contain any kind of ability to go into a negative state. The only way to go into a negative state is to actually suddenly stop living in your passion and actually make a choice to believe in the negative state instead. That's the only thing that can take you out of that state, is to choose to go into a different state. The idea of going negative is not anything that belongs in the definition of passion. That's why Bashar is very, very clear in his teachings that it's crucial to understand what your belief system is, what your definitions are. Some of them, most of them, are very unconscious. And we might think, oh, well, if I start becoming, you know, living my passion, I might suddenly go into all of these negative states and I'll be out of control. That's not a definition of passion. That's a different definition. And so when we're clear about what it is we believe in, then we understand the difference between a definition we prefer and a definition we don't. And then we just choose to remain in the definition that we prefer. On a personal level, what has your experience uh, with Bashar's teachings been like? Has it changed you as a person? Tremendously. I'm way more energized, way more balanced, uh, doing things really that are only the things that I love to do, and life is supporting me. That's one of the things that happens in the toolkit is when you follow your excitement, when you live in your joy. Uh, <clears throat> see, this is what I was saying earlier. You know, all the time you hear in metaphysical circles, oh, you know, act on your passion, follow your bliss. And that sounds great. But the point is, why does that work? No one explains why that actually works. Bashar does. And when you operate on that frequency, it's the frequency of your true essential core, your true self. And when you do that, it opens up literal tools that work for you. You get automatic synchronicity. It's the organizing principle. You get the path of least resistance. You get support in all the different ways that you need to attract support. It just starts coming. And so when people are really living 
that way, they will find that things will happen to allow them to continue to keep living that way. It's just an automatic, self-guiding, self-perpetuating feedback system. And that's really, in a sense, all there is to it. It's no more mysterious than that. But you have to be clear, according to Bashar, about what you believe. Because as soon as you start shifting your beliefs in a direction that's out of alignment with you, that's what you'll start experiencing is a reality that's out of alignment with you. So it's all about the process of getting in touch with yourself, knowing what it is that you've bought into as a belief that may or may not work for you, and really divesting yourself of the ones that don't and living in the ones that do. It all comes down to the very ancient saying that's been with us for thousands and thousands of years, and that simply is, know thyself. And these uh, rules or laws, or whatever you want to call them, they work on all levels, not just on Earth? All levels. It's always like this. It's, it's, at the core, it's, everything is quite simple. It's just we complicated it. <laughs> exactly. We've complicated it with all sorts of belief systems. But, you know, that's okay, because the point of having this life is to sort of forget who we are so that we can remember who we are from a new point of view. Because if you're in a timeless state, there's no change. There's no growth. So you kind of have to forget. You kind of have to position your consciousness in a way that you don't necessarily remember that you know everything. You have to forget that you know everything. And when you then start going through a process where you start remembering that you know everything, that you need to know, you come at it from a different angle. And it's that different perspective that adds a new focus to you. You discover yourself from a new point of view, and that's how we grow. Because the structure of existence itself never changes. The only thing that changes is our perspective of the structure. And that's how creation expands. That's how creation grows and changes, is our experience of the structure changes. The structure itself never changes. It's very simple. So what do you think happens to those people who do really horrible things? Are they embarrassed when they wake up from the dream? Usually they recognize that that wasn't necessarily in their best interest, and they usually use it as a learning tool to then decide to make other decisions that ideally would be more in alignment with who they are. So everything can be used as a learning experience. Remember, I mean, I understand that people on Earth can do all sorts of horrible things, and I'm not saying that there won't be an impact on them. Uh, but it's, again, a learning experience. It's an opportunity for second chances. It's an opportunity to rethink who they are and what they want to experience. And uh, that really also, again, never ends. Now, of course, on different levels, you don't necessarily experience the same level of forgetfulness, the same level of experiencing disconnection. So a lot of those things are mostly the product of the physical level rather than the spiritual level. Um, but nevertheless, it can all be used in a positive way. So, and remember, we're eternal and infinite beings. So, you know, I mean, we, we're always going to exist no matter what form we take. And we're always going to have another opportunity to explore things from another direction and another point of view. That just never ends. Is there any way to, to after you die, I mean, to not participate, to reach even higher and just be a nothing? Well, I don't think you can be nothing, but certainly if you want to sort of, let's say, take a vacation, I'm certain that's also an option. You can just sort of relax and enjoy and do whatever. Uh, I don't think you always have to be on call, so to speak. Um, anything you can imagine 
including sitting around and apparently doing nothing, is an option of something to do. But I think eventually, you know, a being's innate drive and curiosity to explore will probably eventually um, then ch make the being choose to do something other than just hanging around and doing nothing. But yes, you can certainly choose to just hang around and relax. So what has he said about this concept? We use the word God, but... Well, he calls it all that is. And to him, it is literally that. Everything is made of God. There's nothing outside of it. We are all literally made from it. So it is literally to him all that is. Cool. So if people want to speak to Bashar privately, how do, can they do that? They can go to the Bashar.org website, www.bashar.org, and there is actually a button there for private sessions, and also all the public events we do are posted there so that people can join those if they wish to as well. How do they have to like be... I mean, to do a private session, is there something they should think about? Is it, I mean... It's mostly, again, you know, for people who want to explore the principles more deeply, want to understand more clearly how to apply them to certain circumstances in their lives so that they gain clarity, so that they understand how to use the tools um, a little bit more precisely to make the changes in their lives they would like to make. Sometimes it's just about curiosity of exploring different concepts with Bashar. Like I said, you know, sometimes there are people who want to explore scientific concepts. Sometimes people want to explore relationship concepts. Sometimes they want to explore philosophical concepts, and he's willing to talk about them all from his perspective. So people get a lot out of it, but, you know, it's a personal decision as to whether you feel that you will get benefit out of speaking with him. But most people seem to. And uh, talk a bit about this film again and where to get, watch it. Yeah, First Contact, uh, available DVDs, downloads from Bashar.org. Uh, the, the links will be there as to where it can be uh, purchased. Um, and uh, also through our um, links through our uh, production company, ziafilms.com. Uh, it can also be accessed that way. Um, and that's how they can see the film. Cool. Well, thank you a lot for taking the time to speak with me. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for allowing and creating the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Go to Bashar.org where you can contact either Bashar, Daryl Anka or watch the film First Contact. And I must say I really enjoyed doing this one and I hope you found it interesting as well. Now it's time for the Plastic Revolutionary Band with their song Trying to Get a Message to You from the album Lo-Fi. You can hear more of their music at theplasticrevolutionaryband.bandcamp.com. All the relevant links will be posted as usual in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com. I've also began to upload all the podcast episodes on YouTube, but I've cut out the music bits or the video uh, will be flagged for copyright infringement, even though I, I have permission to use the songs I play. But that's YouTube for you. Anyway, if you like to hear this podcast through YouTube, for some reason, go to naturalbornalchemist.com and click on the YouTube logo to be directed to the playlist. Also, please like the Facebook page and follow the podcast on Twitter at Born Alchemist. Next Sunday we are going to look a bit at fake news as well as the Library of Alexandria. 
Freedom is in the mind. Trying to get in touch with you. Gotta tell me what I should do. Cause so far everything I've tried has been wrong. So far nothing ever seems to be right. And I'm going just a little bit out of my head. Wasting my time and thinking too much about you. Thank you. 